I'm Christiana Yebra, and this is how you sell without selling out. Roger's that. Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today, we have someone, a term that probably is chintzy, but I'm going to go with it. She is a boss. She is a girl boss. She is a boss. She's probably my boss. I just don't even know. And um, when I think of this person, I think of utter failure on my part, uh, in large part because actually in 100% part because I've tried to get her to come work with me for the better part of a decade. And um, here we are still not uh, teammates or partners, but we're friends. Uh, she is a she's a maven. Uh, she is someone who is a, a, a doer. Uh, she is somebody that is a visionary. She is somebody that is widely regarded as a thought leader in the space of emerging startups ranging from sports ranging from dating applications ranging from social networking to galas so much so to where she had her own gala called the millennial gala uh, which i was invited to uh, even though i'm technically no longer a millennial but uh, when i thought of uh, christiana yebra like deborah with a y um, i thought of the stories that she could share that would inspire people all across uh, our audiences here and today we actually found out that our second most listened to country is the country of chile so Everyone in Chile, thank you for uh, watching and listening to Roger's Dad. But uh, she's inspiring because she has an idea and she goes with it. And I think that's what selling without selling out encapsulates. But uh, she's been a part of everything from Red Bull to South by Southwest to her current role, which I'm uh, specifically excited about, at Nvenue, which is a sports betting platform that is changing the world uh, with a thing called micro betting, which we'll get to in a second. So long-winded intro but the short of it is she's my friend i care about her and she's an incredible leader and i'm excited to have you on the podcast today i'm happy to be here yeah great um, great pronunciation pr pronunciation on the name the irony of you if literally mispronouncing the word oh God, pronunciation you know it just yeah we'll just let you handle the big words no 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 pronunciation uh so, so christiana you, you've, you've listened to some of these before and you obviously kind of know how we start and it's it's background maybe what what got us here where you are you're ruling the world uh, well, I grew up a military brat for many, many years um, all over the country uh, and the world, actually. And uh, one thing that was difficult, how many times have you moved? Have you moved, like... A lot. Yeah. Corpus, San Antonio, Dallas, New Orleans, New York City, okay. L.A. Yeah. Like, that's hard, right? Like, and you, you look for these, like, uh, the rhythms or these cadences or these... Uh, routines you can get into no matter where you live. Yeah. In the military, that's really hard. You're literally just picked up, dropped off, new city, new country, new friends. I mean, there was one point where I lived in one place for 10 months. Like, that was it. I had 10 months. Um, and places where I've lived for like, four years. Like, when we moved, first moved to Texas, we'd been here, like, about four years. Like, I think I'm from Texas now. Like, I've lived here four years. I know where places are. And um, so, anyway, being bounced around uh, as a military kid, you look for those, like, consistencies and those constants. And I found that in science. So that was what I really uh, leaned into high school and college. And I uh, wanted to go into ER and trauma because of a little show called Grey's Anatomy. That show has pumped out some doctors yeah. it has and some also tiktokers and some tiktokers yeah. i'm sure but the um, balance is healthy no it was it was my interest was in science i didn't know where i wanted to fit in but i um but i loved science and medicine and which is the natural progression into sports betting and here i am yeah marketing for sports betting now but yeah. uh, my 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 love came uh, of science came from consistencies and constants and in math and science that you can't get no matter what part of the world you're in the light you know speed of light and sound are the same no matter where so okay well I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick and oh, I'm gonna, yeah uh, I don't take, no, I don't I don't know that I'm a, off the top of my head anymore sorry take a note real quick oh no um, <laughs> two plus two 
Four. Times ten. Oh boy, forty. Uh, minus eight. Oh god. Oh god. Oh god. No, just kidding. Thirty-two. Who's the greatest singer in the history of music? Uh, uh, someone from a band mm -hmm. that you love called the Eagles. His name? Don. Last name? Henley. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a love of science, uh, better <laughs> than I've ever seen before. Uh, but uh, so again, you've parlayed your love for science into a career in technology. I'll, I'll give you that. F I'll give you a full breakdown. Okay. I thought about it a lot because it doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you look, please don't look at my LinkedIn because you're going to say, what on earth is this? What has this girl been doing for the last 10 years? Um, but fell in love with science, uh, went to college with the full um, goal of going to medical school. Um, I had a, a deep love for the deaf community, deaf and blind community here in DFW. So in high school and in college, I actually learned how to do multiple versions of sign language to communicate with the deaf and blind. Wow. And uh, one of their biggest complaints in the deaf community was I, I can't communicate directly with a physician. Like I have to have an interpreter. I have to write things down. I don't have anyone to explain this to me. So I, my goal was I wanted to be one of the only physicians in Dallas to cater specifically to the deaf and blind community. How cool is that? We had some, you know, Dylan Rafferty. Mm -mm. We had a guy on here who I'm going to connect y'all. I mean, yeah. I just had a moment. He's, He's an advocate for the deaf and the underserved. Mm -hmm. where he started a whole chamber of commerce for oh. like under like not underprivileged, but people underserved with, communities. Yeah, yeah, underserved communities. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Keep it was going. no, it was it was uh, my big vision and passion. So How applied cool. to medical school, uh, took a gap year to work in ER and trauma, and um, it's where I started my first company with uh, co-founded with some ER physicians and launched that, and that was my first segue into um, business in general. Never. I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. We're military teachers. Like I'd never seen someone physically start a business. How old were you when you started it? That was 22. I just graduated, 22, 23. And what was the company called? It was called MEND. We did on-demand urgent care and house calls. I'm sure at one point, I don't know if we connected at, uh, we were connecting with realtors. When people came into town, the first thing they look up is like, where do I go for healthcare? Like my newest, my new dentist, my new doctor, my new, uh, you know, where do I get my nails done? There's like staples that you find when you move to a new city. And we wanted to be the premier kind of white glove service for urgent care concierge right to home. So Man. Henley, you wouldn't take to an urgent care ER. We delivered all the care to you. So you were 10 years too early. I know. I peaked too soon. Yeah. Listen, uh, we not, launched not that. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, nothing. We, we launched that company in March of 2015. And uh, that's where I met our friend Trey Bowles. That's how we know each other. You and I met through Trey Bowles? No, no, no. Uh, the, the, that's how I know Trey was from the start. That was my first startup. We officed out of the deck. Wow. That's, no way. He yeah. was on here. I think he's, yeah, he's been on here. Yeah. I see him five days a week. We work out every no, morning I, together. I, he always looks a little, a little tired. Of he this. looks great though. He's got, I mean, he's in, he's the healthiest he's been maybe as his entire adult life. And that's amazing. Everyone knows Trey through the startup community, but uh, I know Trey through RajFit. Mm. Um, okay. So you, you talk about, first of all, an incredibly diverse background by 22. You have a lot of culture too. You lived in multiple countries, multiple cities. Mm -hmm. Went to multiple schools, and that comes with multiple opportunities to go and, uh, you know, kind of find what you're passionate about. I, I moved a lot growing up, and I like it. It just, unfortunately, as an adult, it got me into the habit that every two or three years I had to move. Yep. Where now we are nested, and we actually have, for the first time, I live in a home, not a house. Yep. Uh, but you also have a passion for empowering the next generation of female leaders, whether mm -hmm. it's entrepreneurs, business owners, or, you know, people that are taking a more traditional path. But yeah. how did you go and couple your excitement, your passion for tech with empowering young girls to pursue, you know, their careers and, and maybe STEM related uh, fields. And it maybe uh, tell us what STEM is also. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, it's like the subset of, of industries that are, I mean, a, a lot of things fall under those categories. Um, but historically, 
girls struggle in those industries or are less populated and less leadership positions in those roles. So um, in in launching MEND, I realized I was one of very few in kind of this med tech world. The next company I was part of was another med tech world where there was not as many women or they're primarily geared towards these like sales and marketing, but there weren't a ton of leadership. Um, and I saw that across really many industries, but primarily in healthcare tech and science not a lot of women in those spaces. Were you also the youngest person by 20 years? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That was a challenge. We sold men to Children's Health. That's a legacy healthcare system. Like, a, I mean, 100-year-old brand. So how old were you when you, when you sold your first company? That was um, uh, the co-founding team and I. That was 20... We launched in March of 2015, sold by December of 2015. It was... Snappy. So if we had captions or like pop-ups, it would say that's not normal. Yeah, but that's, it's not, and don't don't. It wasn't normal for any of us. Um, but it was it was a quick view into the world of corporate. I did startup and corporate really fast. Oh my gosh! And those were you know those rooms were difficult. There was definitely being young was a, a challenge, but being a female another challenge, and then putting a millennial in the room telling. And also old, when millennials, this is when millennials were like, oh, millennial, yeah, we were, keep yeah, me away. Yeah, we were the lazy. We wanted beanbag chairs and nap rooms. Like, that's how they thought work, work, Ping work pong culture. Ping tables for collaboration. Kegs. In yeah. the, you know, like, that's what they, at that time, we were positioned as these, like, kind of the lazy generation. And so I think uh, But you kind of levered that, though. And you became, yeah. you know, you were, I don't remember how we actually met or who we met through. I just J.D. Gonzalez. Seriously? Yeah. So actually, I'll, I remember this because of the uh, gala, Miles for Maisie. Well, I said I, I uh, t to close out the STEM piece of it was I just didn't see the people I wanted to in the leadership room of organizations across industries. So then I said, okay, well, how can I do, how can I help this? So then I started looking at my network of friends, and I've got a lot of millennial age friends who were working across the spectrum, and um, again, a lack of women in leadership positions, especially in tech. So I started to want to dig into the why and ask more questions and network a little bit more, and that's where the Millennial Club came out of, and that's where the gala was, um, or that organization held the gala. Um, but JD. I said, well, I want to, I don't know a lot about a lot of things. I want to host panels and speaker conversations. And so I hosted, it was my biggest event that I'd ever done JD, at that point. But JD was the speaker. No, you were the speaker because I said, JD, you're my friend. I adore you. I need to talk to people who've got 20 years of experience and employ a lot of millennials, recruit a lot of millennials. At that time, you were making pretty big initiatives to hire more people and, yeah. and you know, diversify your, your team. Join <laughs> Still out there. Billboards everywhere. Yeah. See him. One right outside of my house, by the way. Nice. Um, and so I asked JD, I said, I, I want to talk to to Rogers. I don't know him super well, but could you help me get him on this panel? And I had, I think I had 10 other panelists or nine other panelists with you between two panels. And that was my biggest event I'd ever hosted in my whole life. Wow. Well, it um, was all about real estate. But think about how far it's come since then. So back back to STEM and getting, you know, younger females involved and empowering yeah. them. You know, I think you and I probably have and I'm a lot older than you, but you and I probably have similar not you much know, older than me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pushing 50. Um, I'll be 50 <laughs> in eight years. I think it was part of your 40th birthday video. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah thank you. I was right after Tony Romo, so I felt really, really good about Tony, myself. There was a name drop for both of us. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's, it was hard for me, I think, to be taken seriously, especially now with the mustache. But when I was in my, like, 20s and early 30s or my 30s, sure. you know, it, it's people don't really take me seriously. And I say, I want to go and help the next generation where I was kind of part of the next generation. But yeah. You look younger, you are younger, and you carry you carry a big stick. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with a lot of, you know, 
I'm very, I think I'm a very misunderstood person and and I don't know if that happened to you, but what, what did you do to overcome? And this leads into a very unfair question, but what would you have told your younger self, which you are your younger self, but what would you have said when you were 22, 23, knowing that you have, you have a lot of weight on you to go and and be responsible for speaking on behalf of an entire generation, literally, Mm -hmm. but also the niche is females and the niche niche is females that are in the STEM world. What kind of advice would you give yourself to where you would go and then give the advice to the females that you still mentor? Well, I, I that was a very long winded question. I got you. I think I think I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Um, My goat fuel just kicked in, um, (laughs) which uh, cordyceps actually work for energy versus the nasty stuff. Goat fuel. Are you drinking caffeine these days? When I first met you, were like, I don't drink any caffeine. I'm three weeks into caffeine. I never had a yes. Short answer, and I'm not. This is a whole other podcast while I interview myself because I have so much energy. I had not had a cup of coffee till a little less than three weeks ago. How are you feeling? Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Welcome. (laughs) I feel great. Sorry, I feel great. I feel like like I I wake up. I think about that all the time that you told me I was like I don't drink caffeine, Uh and that I would see you on your Peloton at 4:45. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't drink caffeine? Like you're just high on life. Like whenever you go through, if you decide to do the parenting thing. it's all great until they decide to teeth. Yeah. And then you hear noises you never heard before and you smell <laughs> things you never heard before and you think you can power through and all of a sudden you start freezing things you never thought you'd freeze before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I drink caffeine now. That I is the, that I'm is the proud short. of you. Yeah. Welcome. You. Welcome to this, this club. Thank you. Um, anyway, back to, you know, what would you have told your younger self and how to empower the next generation with sincerity, but also, you know, with some oomph. Yeah. Well, I, I look back at my own, it took me a while to figure out like what, what, what made me different or what people helped me stand out. Um, and when we talk about STEM as an example, um, if girls it's third grade, if girls specifically young girls, third grade, if they are encouraged to go into STEM, they've got an awesome chance for it. If at any point in the third, fourth grade time frame, if they are ever discouraged or said hey that's for boys don't mess with the train set or don't go into engineering that's for the boys leave it to the boys and you go do something else the likelihood of them pursuing those career paths or call you know degrees plummets Mm. plummets so it goes back to this like that third fourth grade time frame i look back at what i was doing in third grade um uh through third through sixth grade is kind of that time frame i had fantastic science teachers science teachers who were primarily men who put female scientists in the forefront of our learnings. Like we didn't just focus on the prominent men figures. Like I look back and I'm like, I actually saw a lot of women in science and tech brought to me by male teachers who really encouraged us. And I thought like, what would I have done without that? Like would I be part of that demographic that just never explores those things because I wasn't encouraged? Like I was writing papers on female scientists in sixth grade and I look back like, I didn't know that's exactly what I wanted to do, but it it all goes back to confidence building and I didn't have a ton of confidence. Um, Really, honestly, I still feel insecure about a lot of things. I still am pretty young. I like to think relatively like, same, same, same. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still feel 30 like yet. 31. Are you 31? Yeah. When's your birthday? July. Come on. You're yeah. barely 31. It doesn't count. Um, but I still feel, I feel, so, so I look back and I'm like, I confidence building has a lot to do with who you surround yourself around, uh, you know, by, and, um, it has to do with how your parents have built confidence in you, how your teachers have, um, the mentorship side of it, uh, is, is key. And so if I, if I could go back in time, um, and, and look to, like the people I idolize and really look to for um, direction, uh, what they had more than anything was confidence. And they might not even know everything. They might not be the smartest. They might not have the most degrees or the most credentials, but they were willing to put themselves out there. 
And I wish earlier that I put myself out there. I started doing that around millennial clubs, a little bit in college. I was still very shy and unsure of myself, still am. But um, I wish that I have if I could go back is, is to look for that confidence and not, it, you don't have to be the fastest, the smartest. I mean, I'm not the fastest. I'm not an athlete. I'm not the smartest in the room either, but, um, I'm now a lot more willing to just take risks. And I just really wasn't before the term millennial. I, I remember I heard a sermon like 10, 12 years ago, right? When like the millennial thing was, you know, a, a commonly used word and, and the pastor who's still the pastor was talking about how a big problem that we were about to face in the next generation was a very powerful word that I, word that I never really heard before, but I'm just kind of reliving it in my head. I've heard the word, but I never really thought about it. Entitlement. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it wasn't anything to worry about. And then as I started, to, you know, I'm 42, but I, I had, we still have a lot of millennials, but back then to have a few hundred people in their 20s was pretty, you know, risky for me. And I had to get trained on how to lead millennials. But I think that maybe you saw the force from the trees and learn how to lever it where, you became Miss Millennial and you became the person that kind of was the Pied Piper for these people. But, you, you know, what kind of uh, struggles did you go through to kind of get there to where on top of that, too, you had sold and start you had started and sold startups, but you're also kind of navigating, bouncing, not bouncing around, but trying to find your way to where you are now. Yeah. What was that like? You know, especially I would say in the like er, mid 2000 teens. Yeah. Where what you, do we call that? What, I don't know. The 2010s. Let's just say 2015. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, 2015, <laughs> where, you know, it was a thing. And it, mm-hmm. from a real estate perspective, millennials were ruining the real estate market. Now mm-hmm. they're 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 saviors for the real yeah. estate market. But you know, what what kind of headspace did you have to go through with that? Where I get the confidence battle that's real, but yeah. you've made some really bold moves mm-hmm. where you levered it. What what was that like? I think um, the the millennials being entitled is. I don't think it's largely untrue. There is a a significant amount of the demographic who just expects, but there are some things on those lists of expectations, especially from a work, like from work culture. And it's not the beanbag chairs or the nap rooms or the keg in the kitchen on a two, you know, two o'clock on a Tuesday, it's purpose. And I think one thing that, uh, that this generation has really sought out was how can I find purpose in my work? People will leave jobs after two, three weeks because they've never faced the leadership. They never got to shake hands with the owner. They never got um, to have to build that trust with the leadership team. Um, so they're not, they're not leaving because they're entitled and think, hey, I just, you know, I don't have success. I didn't hit my goals. I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to give up. Like they're searching for purpose. If they don't find that early on, it's kind of like the thing with young girls in STEM. If they don't find that purpose in their work or whatever their passions are early, it's really easy to lose their attention because we come from a generation where we've got, we had like, we were like the weird generation where we had access to computers. We understood when internet came about, but we also knew what it was like to to not have that and so we've had we've had unlimited resources or access to resources for the better part of our lives which the butthead in me is going to say that's also a lot of that's laziness mm-hmm. you know not you but i'm saying and i again i think on paper i am a millennial but i've experienced that i've had employees work here for two hours yeah. literally i'm like that's a new record that's unbelievable yeah. but you know i i think that a lot of people aren't willing to try something long enough to actually get a feel for it. And I think because of that, there, there's a lot of drifters, but, um, but back to the, to the loaded question, you obviously, you know, you know what God gave you and you do have confidence and we can talk about how you moderate and you, you're literally, a, the, you're, you're, I'm a panelist a lot, but you're the person that's actually, <laughs> you know, moderating the panel, but that just doesn't come overnight. And, you know, yeah. coincidentally, so you don't have confidence when I think you have a ton of confidence 
what was that like? Whether you knew or not, you were putting yourself in a position of exposure and ridicule and criticism. Yeah. How did you go and rise up being the female founder, being the the person in third grade that played with trains versus Barbie dolls? Yeah. What was that like getting in that headspace where you had to go and, you know, manifest your confidence to a point where you could not look back? And yeah. I think that that's that's part of the world that we live in. You can never go back to being a hidden figure. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, I feel like I have taken actually a, a step back from being the, the this face of the, you know, millennial clubs. We we shut things down around the, the pandemic and um, I'm not out there hosting every panel or on TV like I was every other day. You were just at one at SMU. It's OK. That was just like more, but that's all, like once a quarter now. I mean, all, I was on also it, like one of the most powerful groups of people in Dallas. And then I was like, oh, Christiana, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, I'm hosting the panel. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm in the back, literally drinking the free, uh, the free bottled water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't do it as often. I took a step back. Um, but not because I, not because I felt insecure about w- what type of voice I had, but I also like to listen. So I like to, I like to storytell and moderate because I like to extract like, you know, Jason from very, I love his, hearing his story. He has it crisp. It's, it's clear. And I like extracting those did things. Did you listen to his podcast? He did here. I adore him. I'll I, do anything he posts. I was just I'm sitting into here. I was just. I was no, like, I dude, you've been great at everything. I know. Literally. Even great at failing. Yeah. Like, even just messing uh, up. That I'm company like, didn't do you... that well. It only sold for $50 million. I would say, hey, Yeah. Oh, All the inflatable Christmas things you yeah. see everywhere. Yeah, that's me. It's whatever. Big mouth Billy Bass. Yeah. What yeah. the heck? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I love that. Like, he's not, af- he's not afraid to put himself out there yeah. and tell that story. Same. Um, but, you know, I... I I like to I like to moderate. I like to be on stage. I don't mind being in front of audiences anymore. In fact, I would much rather talk on TV in front of five million people than in a small room with ten important people. Same. Same. All day. Would you rather go and speak off? Like, is this something more comfortable to you, or giving a speech that you had to prepare? I don't mind this. I would way rather do this than have something prepared. Over preparing for me, not good. I lose yeah. like all of my character. Same. I lose like not the swag, but I lose like the coolness it's not of natural. story. T- no, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I would much rather. I cannot prepare for live TV. I just got to go do it because I know if I mess it up, I, well, I don't. I don't have a chance to mess it up. First world problems. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> oh, I wish live, I could do TV live instead TV, of. Live TV. If I have to do it one more time. Instead of talking time. to the NBA. No, but seriously, I would much rather be on a on a big. But that was not the that was not the case for me. Um, the confidence came from like I. I'm dancing around this answer is when I looked at the people that I admired, they were the ones who are not afraid to put themselves out there. And like, what's the worst that I can do on a panel, right? Yeah. Not doing it would limit me from getting the exposure that, that I needed to be successful to get me to where I am. Like the, I, I can pinpoint the reason why I'm sitting in this chair. I can't do this for every success. Is this the pinnacle of your career? This is, <laughs> <laughs> On a Wednesday or whatever day this airs, uh, I can tell you why I'm here. No, but I, but I can, like the reason why I was involved in a dating app was because I stood on a stage one day and I asked the millennial audience that I was in front of, like, what do you guys, like, what's the biggest challenge you're going through right now? One, how do I find great work and a great role that I have purpose in? And how do I find somebody who's not going to ghost me online? And like, that was the two things like out of like world peace. I don't care. Uh, you know, let's solve mass hunger. Nope. Student, it was how do I get con- no. no. How are they going to swipe back? How am I going to not get ghosted online or find an authentic relationship online? And by we won't talk about that dating app. We um, could if you want. I think there's a lot to learn there for people. It's it's look. It's one of those where I could have not done it and said, you know what? I don't I don't know if I have everything to, so to make op- this successful. You're opening up an old wound because at this time we were this close to working together. 
And then I'm, I think I'm the one that said, this is a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you took it. <laughs> and then I was an investor. But I, you know, I, again, like I, the alternative to me not putting myself out there is a lot worse than me making a mistake on stage or taking a role that doesn't work out or wasting time on a company that I thought had all the potential, but let's take Mend as an example. That company doesn't exist anymore. They told us we were too early for on-demand urgent care. When we told people we could offer rapid flu test and uh, you know, fix a small laceration that's on your hand at home, they're like, how, healthcare at home, no way. Like this is gimmicky. I know. Now we're all COVID testing each other at home. We're, yeah, you like know, telemedicine. Yeah. yeah. Come like, on over. We'll COVID we test We really peaked too soon. But yeah. um, had I not taken those, those leaps and, uh, potentially horribly failed like the alternative to not taking those stepping stones would be me being an er physician and probably hating my life right now god bless the broken road let me all right let, let's get to christiana the uh, powerful business um you know figure and, and where you are now at, at, at venue which yeah uh, sheer background or not but you know what you're doing now is is a different kind of pedestal yeah where ironically you're in a pretty controversial space right Super. which yeah. um again i'm a big fan of the brand i'm an investor and i, I love the team but you know you go from uh, med like stem med school you know startup salesperson spokesperson moderator panelist the voice of a generation the face of a generation to the cmo of a company that three years ago when i heard about it i was like this is insane but i love it yeah and on paper it was a really really like it was not a smart investment, but you know, I bet on the jockey, not the horse. And here yeah. it is where the jockey and the horse are doing really, really well. But maybe walk us through the path to in venue and, and what you guys are doing now. It has to, everything to do again with that one time I stood on stage and was like, guys, tell me about what your problems are. Like literally I can, I can point it back to that situation, but I, I had connections in this company um, from a prior role and Drew Williams, who I adore and I know you know really well and Kelly Proc. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the most brilliant women I've ever worked with ever. in technology. I mean, she could just, just run laps around anybody that I've ever met on engineering math. She is the queen of STEM. She I was going to say, yeah, she's, she's your, like, your oh. STEM queen. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Like, if I had someone like her as a young child, like, I would be absolutely unstoppable now. You're only now. 31. Like, You're... I got to, I feel, I'm feeling older yeah. these days. My knees make sounds that I've never heard before. Um, but no, Kelly, an, a legend. What's a knee? Yeah. What's a knee? Um, but, uh, yeah, those two, um, I had an opportunity to join that team and, and really at a pivotal time. And we were talking about building an app that you could predict what the next play of a baseball game was going to be, um, for fan engagement, no betting. We didn't even talk. We weren't even talking about it. Was like, that predict. was Yeah. It was predict on the clock. It was a direct to consumer app app that you could download and as you know your favorite player is up at bat is judge going to hit a home run or a single or what is this going to be we you could predict uh this kind of fan engagement it was a fan engagement tool but now it's really evolved to a micro betting engine that with a solid level of accuracy and speed i mean like i'm talking 33 milliseconds from taking this information from the field or court or racetrack whatever sport and running machine learning models on it to spitting out real-time probabilities, thousands of them, in less than a second. Like, as fast as I can blink my eye, we've generated these bajillion probabilities. It's it's mind-blowing. Um, built by Kelly and our CTO, and it's just in an incredible spot. So I met them. I saw what they were doing. Um, they were part of the Comcast Accelerator program. Through a, it's a sports tech accelerator. I said, it was NBC Comcast, NBC right? Comcast. Yeah. Um, had we not been part of that, 
uh, organi- or that uh, kind of accelerator launch program, uh, I, I might not have joined the team. And I'll tell you why. I knew nobody in sports. Like, I don't have, that's not where my connections are. Like, you need the CEO of a nearby hospital? I got you. Do you need, you know, I don't know. Like, I have connections all over the place. But, like, the one place I don't really know anybody was the sports world. People would come up to you and be like, what sport do you play? Yeah, they're <laughs> like, you, what about basketball You're team? So what are you tall. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like, my feet barely touch the ground here. Um, but I I had no connections in sports. And at that time, I was like, that's what has helped me in my other roles is, like, just being a really good networker and that that's helped elevate a lot of my positions to the next level. I was like, guys, I don't know anyone in this space. And they were like, we don't care. Let's tell you about this program. We're talking to the Philadelphia Flyers on a Monday, the next day, the CIO at NASCAR, you know, the, it was so funny. They made me come onto NASCAR because I love racing, not NASCAR as much as I love F1. They're like, we don't know anybody who can talk about racing. Do you know anything? I was like, let me, let me come and let me test my skills. Um, but I joined the team and uh, really kind of a behind the scenes kind of strategic role to map out partnerships. And I just adore the team and the vision so much that I was like, I will quit everything else and come work with you guys. And so now we're we've raised four and a half million dollars this year. We were on Apple TV for the extent of the 2022 MLB season. Like we worked directly with Apple, which is mind blowing to think about because I again a year ago would have you never tell us what micro betting is oh okay yeah so we got it this is let's uh what's your favorite sport what's your what's your go-to let's just say football okay so let's say we're all at the Super Bowl par- we're at your Super Bowl party at your beautiful house and I say hey Rogers I bet that because you're such a sports person <laughs> yeah I bet you let's pretend the Cowboys are going yeah. to the Super Bowl I bet you Dak throws a touchdown on this play that is a micro bet or I bet Luca misses this free throw again or I bet you a beer, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, these micro moments and intervals of sports betting have not really been, you do them offline, but traditionally sports betting is really like who's going to win the game. What's the spread? What's the over under? It's very much dependent upon the outcome of the game, the Which, score of the final game. To ironically bring it full circle, you think about millennials, they have mm-hmm. short attention spans. Don't we? And so, but I mean, for real. And if you yeah. think about it, I remember when I first met Drew, he was saying that like 83% of people go and they're on their phone during a sports game. Yeah. So how do you go and actually get them engaged? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's by getting them on their phone yeah. and leveraging it. So yeah. they go and they, they do a micro bet and... Yeah. So micro betting like is is a truly like people talk fan engagement and they can create all these tools, but betting really, I mean, it forces you to be involved. Yeah, it forces you, you to care. understand uh, a little bit about the game, to know the players. I mean, some people bet and then never watch the game, but with micro bets, it's really imperative that you are actually following along. Betting without watching is kind of lame. Watch and bet can only happen with technology like ours that is fast enough to deliver those probabilities and in a way that uh, has context and game relevance. So we can create, prepare yourself for some numbers, 10,000, like let's just go back. Traditionally, like for a baseball game, you might be able to bet on 500, 600 things in a game. That's pushing it. That's a lot of things. That's a lot. Um, But with our technology, with the level of machine learning and AI that we have, we can unlock 10,000 betting opportunities in a single baseball game, which sounds cartoony and it almost sounds like goofy to even say, but that's how deep the tech is. People, fans like you and I are not going to bet on on 10,000 betting opportunities, but those big moments we care about, like I'll bet, I'll bet some good money on a player that I care about or a team I care about or a play that like a nail biting big game moment, like. 
That's micro bet. But on the on the flip side of things, not the flip, but when you look at the revenue model, you mm-hmm. think about people that have casinos mm-hmm. and they see that and they're like, cha-ching. Yeah. Right? Where most yeah. people wouldn't go spend tens of thousands of dollars gambling on a random baseball right. game that has no, you know, real, you know, there's exactly. no power to it. But when there's 10,000 micro bets within that, yep. there's real value. So It's an opportunity to uh, unlock a whole new... Uh, demographic you've got casual fans or casual betters who've never really you know been involved and and so we took uh what was predict on the clock which was b to c so directly to the consumer converted into a b to b company so we sell that incredible and super rich predictive data to the operators to the platform providers which is a world again like we None of us had a ton of experience in this betting space. Betting isn't legal here in Texas, which is not we, yet. Not there's, yet. There's there's some talks going around right now. Yeah, um, but it's it's on it's on its way. Um, there was some legislation that changed in 2018 that allowed for the states to decide themselves, and we're seeing the incredible success that's happening in other states like New York. And so we want to uh, responsibly, but in a really brilliant and innovative way, deliver these odds and allow for these operators to unlock those micro bets when it it's it's really offering a whole new slew of betting opportunities and windows to these fans that you got them you've got now you've got a millennial generation who might bet on is Aaron Judge gonna hit his sixty fifth home run or whatever it is. Like I don't know much about sports and here you are. I okay, so I didn't say I didn't know anything about sports. <laughs> I said I don't know. I didn't know like you've got a deep list of people, athletes, you know, probably on the on the company side. I knew no I knew nobody. Like I know a lot about that hockey. That your favor though with this cuz you're not coming at it from a fan perspective, you're yeah. coming at it from a, a business perspective. Yeah. And I, think, I love sports, but I knew nothing about it. I've always so my dream and Drew knew this and this is why Drew again like being open and all going back to like what I wish I could tell myself is be really prescriptive about what you want and let people know what you're looking for i told drew probably years ago i was like look man i wanted to lead a social organization like vouch like millennial clubs my dreams i want to work in sports so if anything ever comes up you let me know and here we are here we are here we are the future of sports betting in one minute or less what is it it's in the game it's in-game micro betting that's all it is in-game micro betting okay um as we land the plane here on the uh, christiana uh dedication hour uh, what is your, uh, what's your superpower? You've obviously been a part of so many startups and, you know, whether you've started them or you've been a part of it, you obviously, you, you've got the secret sauce. What, what do you feel like it really is? I don't know if I have the secret sauce yet. I've got ingredients. I think I've got, in, I, I've got ingredients, um, to, to bring out greatness from companies and brands that I work with. Um, the reason why I loved working in the ER was because my brain kind of operates like Google Chrome. What is your Google? How many t- tabs do you have open at a single time? Are you like the guy that's got two, 20? Really? Mm-hmm. Totally different than me. I've got 10, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at being able to tab through and keep my brain on track. That's how the ER works. you got to pop into 10 different rooms and understand what's happening. 10 rooms, memorize 10 people, memorize 10 stories. And in business, I'm still the same way. Like I like to have different interests, and I'm able to do all of them pretty well. I own the one of the most successful, if not the most successful 360 photo booth company in Texas. And people don't know this about me, um, but I, one part of my brain, I'm thinking sports betting 90% of the time. But i got a whole other part of my brain that's thinking, how do we take over a whole other state uh, with with this offering? Um, for How much do you booths. sleep at night? I'm a, I love, I'm a nine hour. I'm a nine hour. Girl. Nine? I'm yeah. eight. I'm an eight to nine hour. I can, if I am not sleeping, I'm not well. Yeah, good. You, you and I, it's like you go hard in the paint and when you're, yeah. it's a sports term. Like I wish I knew anything about basketball. <laughs> I, uh, uh, but, but, I am a sports fan. 
sports fan. Please, no one can come kidding. for me. Um, no, I, I have to, I have to rest. I'm not, Same. I'm not functional. But I can have those ten tabs open as long as I can sleep at night. I can keep those ten tabs open. If I'm on the four hour uh, train, no, okay. can't do it. Same. Can't do it. Um, best advice you've received or you would give. I'll give this advice to people who are looking to hire um, individuals like myself um, or the millennial generation. It is very difficult to document hustle on paper. And so I need um, organizations and uh, leaders to take a more holistic look at the opportunities for hiring. Um, I think I've come across a lot of resumes that are just flat and you can't really tell a lot. If you look at my resume, you're gonna be like, uh, okay. You can't, do you can't document that I am the person who will roll up my sleeves and clean up after the event or send out all the thank you cards or do all the heavy lifting. And so I, I want people to know that it is very difficult to document how hard you're willing to work on paper and so not to pass people up because on a surface level, they don't fit every single thing that you're looking for. So ask deeper questions in huh. interviews. I want people to... I saw a brilliant resume. I don't know if it was like the CEO of Yahoo, somebody years ago, uh, who on her resume, she put it out on LinkedIn, put how she spent her time outside of work. And so I started asking people when I was interviewing, like, what do you what do you do when you're not working? Like, I know you'll spend a lot of time working, but what do you do? And very quickly you understand where that person's motivations and their passions lie. And it can very, very uh, effectively help you craft how they can be professionally successful. I love that. My mentor, one of my mentors back in the day, kind of gave me advice that was sage. And he said, you don't know somebody until you walk a mile in their moccasins, mm -hmm. shoes. And I was like, oh, I was like, all right, man, it, it, it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, you look back um, when you're 33, <laughs> almost a full two years <laughs> from now, yeah. Or you're 99 or you're 110, and you think about your proudest accomplishments uh, from a worldly perspective, not Christiana, you know, the, the uh, personal part of you, but what you've done to impact the world. What, what are you going to be most proud of? Um, one of my favorite things that I do and continue to do, and I know you'll, you'll relate to this, is I love that I can employ people and give them an opportunity to make an extra. I mean, let's just take the photo booth as an example. Um, I help women who just want to get out and have different passions than their nine to five, make an extra thousand, two thousand $2,000 a month on their own, just to have something for their travel fund or for their families. And one of my favorite things is I've built a really cool crew of, um, women and some, and some guys that, um, I help them unlock future passions by them helping me unlock my passion. Hmm. I love so, it. So proud of work with people. What do you want to be remembered for? Um, my sports knowledge, my, <laughs> <laughs> my height, my charm, my humor. Um, there's some I, truth in there. Her yeah. charm, her humor. Height? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Mm -mm. No, that's not it. Um, I pride myself on being a joy to work with. At least I hope so. Um, and I love working with vendors across all of my companies with people who are, and it's not about just being easygoing, but being um, enjoyable to work with and, and flexible. And you've always been flexible and helpful for me. And um, so it's not just about your work relationships and friendships too, is be a joy to be around. Last question, hardest question, selfish question for me. Is there such thing as balance? When you find something you're excited about, and this is coming from someone who's about to rush to be at my daughter's six-month appointment, is there such thing? Uh, I certainly don't. I haven't mastered it. Yeah. I think there are waves and phases of your life where there will not be balance, and you have to find some level of comfort in knowing that. Hmm. Um, if you expect balance or, or demand it and it doesn't happen, I think you get more flustered and distraught because of that. Yeah. If you can be okay, especially in a relationship and, and having a new baby, like I know it's it's a balance, right? Like 
you're trying, but it just sometimes it doesn't work out. And I think by being a little bit more easygoing and knowing that, hey, this is always I might be a little bit late or I might not be at every single thing. Like yeah. having that peace of mind, I think, helps helps you get to that point. But I I've not mastered yeah. work life. Don't ask me about I, I, I have a master it maybe one day, but Same. it's okay to, to not, I think. Yeah. I had somebody, um, I don't know who it was. It might've been Sean Lowe who told me that you, when your real job is when you get home and that's when you mm -hmm. check in for work. Mm -hmm. And ever since I heard that, I was like, all right, I, I care in a good way, a little bit less about what happens up here. And when I'm yep. home, I'm just like, you know, trying to be as, as centered and present as I can. Yeah. Um, you're awesome. You're, you're a very special person. I knew right when I met you that you were going to be a part of my life and you were going to play a, a pivotal role which yeah. you have sorry i haven't come to work with you yet but no no hey, no, there's no. Time. listen the fact like if, when time. nvenue goes and gets acquired for 20 billion dollars <laughs> i'll be thankful Drew that would you... like that be that billion that sounds so, nice so would rogers I think, I think it's i think it's possible to be yeah, honest so uh i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to investing more in other passion projects and learning different spaces so maybe we'll put real estate on that list one day same how do we support you? How do we find you? How do we support? Other than your LinkedIn page, don't go to that. <laughs> yeah, don't go to LinkedIn because you're gonna be like, you? "Gosh, this girl is annoying." Um, you know, I uh, I'm pretty easy to find. There's not a lot of people with my name, but on Instagram, I post a lot of different content across my different organizations. What's your Instagram name? Um, at Christiana Yabra, Christian with an A, Zebra with a Y. Also, or you just demillennialed yourself by saying at. Oh. You just. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, would just I don't know. I just feel like when it's your name. And Christiana you Yebra on Instagram. Christiana Yebra on Instagram. I do. I, I joke about not going to my LinkedIn because you'd be very confused without listening to this podcast. But if you've made it this far, LinkedIn <laughs> is a great spot. And I post a lot of sports content. I'm a big F1 fan. And um, if you don't want to see me posting about doodles to adopt on Instagram, you can find me on LinkedIn, too. Same place. You crushed it.